Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. After the Thunder's 108-100 win against the New Orleans Pelicans on Wednesday night at the Smoothie King Center. Gotta love that name. Um, Barry, the Thunder, after a 1-6 start, are now 4-6. and six. They've won three straight games beating the Lakers, beating the Spurs, and now beating the Pelicans, who are very, very, very bad and without um, a very, very, very good Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram duo. Um, but this was this was an interesting game in that the Thunder had its biggest lead of, of the season. Before tonight, they had never led any game by more than 15 points. They were up 21 points with eight minutes left in the game. And almost gave the game away. They've not been in that situation. They're a young team, so it wasn't entirely surprising. But um, what was your what was your main takeaway from this one? Just how bad and disorganized the Pelicans seem to be. Um, you know, I mean, it, the Thunder's not a you know they're not a real deep team. They're not a real good team. They got a really good player, a star player, and he didn't play that well tonight. And they still won easily. And that's what I don't know what's afflicting New Orleans. They act like they've never practiced before. For all I know, they haven't practiced. It seems to be completely dysfunctional. Now they're missing their two best players, no doubt about it. But, you know, that was that's just looks like a ghost ship of a team there in New Orleans. We, we won't make this the Pelicans podcast, but Barry – if you're a Pelicans fan or – I mean, David Griffin's probably going to lose his job. And it is like – it's about as bad as it can possibly get. Like, Zion Williamson is out of shape. He has an injury that was totally unexpected or at least not reported on until just before the season started. He has not yet played. And if you're the, – there's already talks of, like, his family not liking the situation in New Orleans and him wanting out, him being the first superstar to ever take the qualifying offer um, and, and reach free agency quicker rather than taking a huge number and getting a second contract like Shea just signed. I mean, it is uh, – it's it's desperation time right now, and things are, like, falling apart, it seems here. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's a dysfunctional franchise. This is a franchise that had Chris Paul – and it worked for a while, uh, but then it, you know, didn't, and they uh, they had to trade CP. They had Anthony Davis. It never worked, and now they've got Zion Williamson. It's not working again. It's a city that's never been a a real NBA city. I mean, when the when the Hornets came, um, Oklahoma City temporarily solved the New Orleans problem for the NBA. They've got another one. How many people in the stands tonight? Yeah, I was about you to think say. Were he, there 5,000? You think there were 5,000? That's my guess. So the official attendance was 15,000, and my guess would be 5,000, but that might be a little generous. Yeah, I was trying to count. I couldn't see the upper decks. Um, Very spotty. Yeah, the lower decks, they weren't. It was only about, I don't know, 30% full in the lower decks. So I couldn't imagine well, many you people kinda, up in the upper decks. Yeah, I mean – it's a horrible crowd, and it's a bad crowd even when they're good, um, from what I understand. And like, but it, it, I, I felt bad for him because you look around and you see all these kids in the stands wearing number one Zion Williamson jerseys or Brandon Ingram jerseys, and neither of those two guys are here. So I get why people wouldn't want to come watch this team right now. Yeah, and you know they've they've had some good coaches. They fired them. 
not really talking about Stan Van Gundy, uh, who they fired last year, but you know they had they had Monty Williams fired him, had Alvin Gentry fired him. Yeah. Um, now Willie Green's a, a first year coach. Uh, yeah. Now and they had you know they had some depth, a couple of young players with a lot of promise, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Well, the Lonzo Ball thing never made no one understands why they they did that basically getting Devontae Graham over Lonzo Ball and making the trade with Chicago, getting Sadoransky. Like, they – I don't know. It, it just seems like they should have kept Lonzo Ball to me. Yeah, so I don't – you know, I, I expect Zion to move. I expect the Pelicans to move. Um, I don't think they'll be long for New Orleans. Um, maybe go to Seattle, maybe go – I don't know where. But um, it's just – it's a it's a total mess. It's a total, total mess. Um I assume when Ingram and Zion get back, and I don't know a timetable on Ingram, but you know they're hoping Zion in two or three Ingram weeks. Ingram was but, questionable to play today, so he's close. So, so okay. Well, you know when they get them back, you know the, you don't have to worry about them. I don't think falling below the Thunder in the lottery. Did, did you think they, they were some, a playoff team before the season? I thought they were borderline. I. Th- you know, maybe maybe ten or so in the West, something like that. Challenge for that for that play-in situation. Mm-hmm. But man, that's that's just a terrible team um, and bad attitudes. I mean, Josh Hart completely well, lost yeah, his let, mind. Let, let's get into that because the second quarter was was crazy, and I asked the guys about it after the game. In a Six-minute stretch, the Pelicans were called for five technicals. Valanchunas had one. Devontae Graham had one. Norman's own Jackson Hayes had one. And um, Josh Hart had one, which I think was a – Barry, you probably had a better look than I did because uh, watching on TV. But I thought it was a bad call. Like, it it was a loose ball foul, a rebound going up against Lou Dort. Um, Dort said he had good position. He was going straight up for it, whatever. Um, that doesn't excuse Josh Hart's behavior afterwards, which he got one technical, deserved it, then just kept going at Scott Foster. Foster, who doesn't have the greatest reputation for players. Um, <laughs> hello, Chris Paul. Um, Foster tosses him out. And <laughs> it was so funny after the game, I asked Dort about it. And he was like, um, he was like, Scott Foster's been been doing this a long time. I think he's got a good feel for it, or something like that. It's like no one's ever said that about Scott Foster. But. <laughs> well, good for Dort. I actually on that play in real time. I thought it was a good call for this reason. It looked like um, it looked like Hart didn't take a good angle on the rebound because he was inside of Dort, but Dort ran straight at the ball and and Hart sort of was off angled and it's one of those where you know if two people if two people collide when there's a loose ball whoever gets the ball first draws the foul or get, the, the other guy gets called for the foul and that's a little bit of what I just bang bang when I saw it that's what I thought when the whistle blew I thought well they're going to call that foul on Hart and they did, and then the the other ref, I think Schroeder, I can't remember which one, but she she ran in, and they had a conference, and I thought, well, they may overturn it, and and then they never showed a good replay, so I thought it was initially I thought it was a good call, 
but it's not a kind of call to get yourself tossed out of a game over. Heck, if it's a bad call, you can challenge it. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like much more than that call. That seemed like the frustration of being 1-10 and ten, um, and yeah. losing to the Thunder. Yeah, but I was, I, I, I was a little depressed at the whole thing. The state of the Pelicans, the crowd, the attitude of the team. Um, you're, you're, you know. you're sounding a little down, Barry. Yeah, I, I was, you know, we, when I think about the Thunder, you know, sometimes we get depressed. Oh, rebuilding year two, you know, they're not going to win much and we're not happy when they do win and all that kind of stuff. But then you watch the Pelicans and you think, my goodness, it could be a lot worse. You watch 29 minutes of Garrett Temple and, and are thankful. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> no offense to Garrett Temple, um, a, a local guy who went to LSU. But um, anyway... Barry, um, one of the fun storylines every time these two teams face is Shea Gilgis-Alexander against Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They're cousins. They grew up together. They went to um, high school together in Tennessee at a prep school there. Um, Shea's obviously the the better player, um, but Nikhil is a really good young player, a good rotational player. And without Zion and Brandon Ingram, along with, you know, Devontae Graham and Jonas Valanciunas, he's he's one of their best players. Like, look at the Pelicans' um, point totals tonight. Valanciunas had 25, Graham had 18, Alexander Walker had 33, and no one else did a whole lot of anything. Um, Alexander Walker finished with 33, um, 10 rebounds, and, and 4 assists. He bested Gilgis Alexander, who had 24.7 rebounds, 5 assists. SGA wasn't very efficient, 7 of 19, 2 of 7 from 3. Um, I asked Shea after the game about playing against Nikhil, and he said, I'm happy he played well, I'm happy he lost. So that's uh, that's how Shea felt about it. But w- what did you think of those two guys, and especially seeing sort of what Nikhil, Shea's cousin, has grown into? Well... I was um, – I thought SGA played very poorly for him. He was sort of loose with the ball, wasn't strong with the ball, had five turnovers, and if you just – if you weren't keeping up, you'd have guessed more than that. Um, but he still finds a way to be productive and helpful even when he's playing poorly. And I didn't notice Alexander Walker. If, you'd have, if, you, if, if I hadn't been updated, you know, throughout the game by the stats um, – from the broadcast, I would have guessed. If somebody said, how many points that guy scored? I said, oh, he had a pretty good game. He scored 14 or 15. I was stunned when, he, when I saw he had 33. And maybe that's because he's a low-key type of player. You don't keep your eyes on him all that much. Um, but he's clearly turning into a good player. Now, let's, let's get some things straight here. You got, you got SGA's last name is Gilgis Hyphen Alexander. His cousin is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Here's the way I'm going to have to guess this thing. I'm going to guess they're not first cousins. I'm going to guess that one of SGA's parents named Alexander and one of Alexander Walker's parents named Alexander are first cousins. And is that, and, and this is their sons. Is that, is, is, that the, is that the way it works? Is that, is that, does that explain the connection? I'm trying to fiercely type to find a a story I wrote about these two guys a couple of years ago because I think it's in there, but I I don't remember exactly what the the relationship status is there. 
Because if they're first cousins, that would mean so, they're. So what was what was your guess that, that my guess is cousins? that their parents are first cousins. Okay. Their parents are first cousins. That's my guess. Gilgis Alexander's father, Vaughn, and Alexander Walker's mother, Nicole, are siblings. So what, what what's that make them? Well, it makes them first cousins. First, first cousins. So I'm not oh, sure okay. about they're the first, different so order. They're, so, so they are first cousins. They're just straight first cousins. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and Shay is uh, 52 days older. Well, great day. So. Well, that's cool beans. Yeah. It is. It is cool. It's always. Uh, it was. It was cool before the game because the the Pelicans big board had this like star matchup um, graphic, and usually it would be Zion Williamson, uh, Brandon Ingram, um, but today it was Shea Gilgis Alexander against Nikhil Alexander Walker, um, and maybe it was intentional on their part, maybe not, but it was. It was still pretty cool to see. Yeah. Well. Um... And I, this is the first time I think that uh, Alexander Walker's ever come close to, you know, matching SGA. I think, yeah, in terms of production in a game. After the game, they showed SGA walking over and hugging a woman. Maybe that's his aunt. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I saw that and wasn't able to ask Shay about that, but. Um... Yeah, hopefully we can we can find out more. But but like I remember talking to their high school coach, um, the prep school they transferred to somewhere in Tennessee. I forgot exactly where, but they live together with their high school coach. So they, they're they're super close. They're honestly more like brothers um, than cousins, just with their um, relationship. But anyway, um, yeah. Mark Dagnall said after the game that neither Shea nor Giddy had their fastball tonight. That's one of Mark Dagnall's favorite phrases. He talks about guys not having their fastball. Um, but which is sort of telling with Giddy because he almost had a triple-double. He had seven points, 12 rebounds, nine assists, um, but he was just three of ten um, and had five turnovers. But like, And Dagnall said this was more like his floor than his ceiling. Which, when you put up a line like that and it's closer to your floor than your ceiling, I think that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, he had a little bit of the SGA disease tonight in that I thought he was a um, little sloppy with the ball, not not as strong with the ball as usual. But he was still strong in the boards, and I know he talked about rebounding in the, in the postgame. And the other thing, he had nine assists. He would have had 11 assists on a team with just a tiny bit more clue. You know, he had a great pass to uh, Poku, and Pokashevsky missed, you know, he he somehow is a seven-footer who missed a two-foot shot when he was uncovered. So um, he was perilously close to a a double-double. So he's a heck of a player. I got uh, some friends on a text thread who um one of them lives in ohio and was watching the thunder through whatever means and had the uh the uh, pelican broadcast and he said antonio daniels could not stop raving about about josh giddy and what a ball player he is so um i think the, the, the thunder got a keeper in giddy because if that's his bad game if that's his ceiling that's a heck of a game that's a heck of a game 
Barry, thanks for uh, hopping on the pod today. That will do it for us. Um, Next up is a Friday game against the Sacramento Kings. Um, Could be another winnable game for the Thunder. We'll have a story out either on Thursday or or Friday morning, Friday in print in the Oklahoman, about the Thunder's new alternate court, sort of the story behind it, who who made it and everything. Um, It's pretty cool. Uh, So that'll that'll debut Friday. They've never had an alternate court before. We'll get our first look at what I think they're calling like diamond and ice, but they're really white and silver and gray. But um, I always like uniform talk. Barry, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the uniforms. But thank you guys again for listening to the Thunder Buddies pod, and, and we'll be back Friday.